0: 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call. Four three nine sixty twenty eight, or online at TreeService.com. folks you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com it is monday it was a uh, somewhat at least in the news uneventful weekend as far as locally and crime and everything like that however uh We'll see. The early voting starts a week from Wednesday. We're going to talk with Justin Katz. Do our segment politics this week, but folks, obviously the Trump talk is dominating. And <clears throat> I'm going to be honest. I I'm not. Um, there's so much speculation. There's so much that we don't know. Um, I'm going to caution against those that are putting out a lot of misinformation. We have major primaries coming. I'm going to focus a lot. This program will focus a lot on. Uh, with some very important primaries that are coming up in the uh, local elections that affect our world. Uh, But uh, I I just want to remind people, it's too bad, you know, for for a while we were uh, going along without all of the people that just parrot and repeat whatever talking points that they're told. But one of the most dangerous things, and I'm so glad Steve Ducey of Fox & Friends uh, brought this up, And and this is and it started last Monday night when President Trump intimated that the FBI was planting evidence. That that is insulting. I've heard from these different people; they're corrupt. We already have two dead. We have the guy that drove to the field office and was firing at FBI, and then you have the guy running into the Capitol with his his car. Uh, Now there's more threats against the FBI, and Steve Ducey. this morning took to Fox and Friends, and I want to play it, and said the following
1: you so know that right now, given the fact that there's a suggestion that there are a lot of online very specific, apparently very specific threats against very specific agents uh, at the FBI and whatnot, it would it would be great for everybody to tamp down the the rhetoric against the FBI because the FBI simply was doing what the DOJ asked them to do. The attorney general is the boss of the guy at the FBI, of all the people at the FBI. So, you know, with all of these threats going around, it would ultimately be great if the former president, who has always been a great supporter of law enforcement, had posed with a thousand police departments coast to coast. It would be great if he called for an end to the violent rhetoric against federal law enforcement, and in particular, the FBI that was just doing their job. But as Trey Gowdy pointed out last night, uh, for you to look at this situation and think that Democrats and Republicans have been treated the same over the last few years, you'd have to be looking at a different situation
2: yeah I mean, I mean over
1: for, well for talked about that too he said you know it's interesting that the Democrats or progressives are now worried about protecting law enforcement when they weren't right. you know years ago during the raids but no one is for the violence <coughs> of FBI agents no. or uh, you know any of these individuals that are in law enforcement right if you want to personify that search, look at the Attorney General of the United States Mayor Garland is the one who has staked his entire reputation on it if there's something if there's not something really big there, He's
0: done. You know, and I agree with that. And I, I want to come back to, I, I just, it is so beyond the pale. I'll tell you who else is they're going to go after. And Fox News has given this guy a lot of time as this Cash Patel. This guy, he is a nutcase. And he has no credibility. And you watch. They're going to drag him in. He's going to, He's going to be in trouble. I don't know why Fox has given this guy so much your time. And this is a key <coughs> fact that most Americans are missing. President Trump, as the sitting president, is a unilateral authority for declassification. He can literally stand over a set of documents and say, these are now declassified. It's and Totally untrue. Why? The fact that the bureaucrats <coughs> at NARA, who referred, remember the National Archives are the ones that referred this to the Department of Justice, but they, the same principle, failed to refer Hillary Clinton to the Department of Justice when they got their hands on the uh, classified emails from those servers. And switching gears a little bit to the national security officials. This this guy is wearing a cash pin. He's already trying to market himself and sell things on himself. He is a, a, a loose cannon. And what he's saying is completely false. If you have sensitive documents, whatever it may be, the, the list of names and addresses of CIA agents who are living in Russia. So he's trying to say, if the president said, I now say this is declassified. <clears throat> like Jesus turning water into wine. Um, if, if something is declassified, that means that public access records can be made for it. That That's just inherently wrong. I, I'm telling you right now, you watch, this guy is gonna be in trouble. This guy, this Cash Patel, He is a clown. Right now, he is on Fox wearing a pin. You go, he has a full website. He's already trying to sell his own merchandise. He's trying to cash in. He was trying to get ready for 2024. And everyone's quoting him, this guy, Cash Patel. He's he's making a false argument. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. We don't even know what they're saying. You watch this individual... Over a period of time, you're not going to see him on Fox. He came out of the box strong, former Defense Department Chief of Staff. I don't know how that is possible. But you you watch, this individual will be, uh, you won't, suddenly won't start to see him. There'll be charges brought against him. But I I can't get over that he goes on Fox wearing a pin that he's selling of himself on his website.
1: Okay, so you just touched on something. (laughs) Okay. And
0: uh, for a lower level... It, that's uh, where he was on the phone. Folks, and I get it. You know, when something like this happens, it's a shock to the system. And so we all want to find someone.
1: Extraordinary that they convened a grand jury and are talking about
0: uh-huh. espionage charges. Where is this going? Yeah, I think that's another really
1: important point
0: that should right, that's be Devin, lost on the... American I want to hear cash Patel. but
1: this is the second time investigation of Trump and the Republican Party.
0: You know, It's basically an investigation in search of... I think there's a lot of people that are not um, credible. I'm just... I would... Again, everyone's going to handle it the way they want, but I would just be very cautious. Listen to uh, this guy, FBI dragged its feet, urgent warrant. He was on uh, Fox News Channel on the Ingram Angle, I think on Friday night.
2: Result in injury to to this... In this warrant. Yeah, Sean. These are heavyweight statutes. The the first statute, seven ninety three, is basically the espionage statute. It talks about things that that he may have done with the documents that would result in injury to this country, and willful. And he did the, these things willfully. That's serious enough. That's a ten year penalty if, if if he's convicted. Now, the third statute. Which is the the uh, an obstruction related statute carries a 20 year penalty.
0: Former FBI assistant director
2: uh, alleges that he Charles repeated an ongoing matter, which could have been the grand jury investigation of what we now know is an espionage case. So this is a much more serious case than just possession of classified documents yeah, we were led to believe that this was all about just document possession and and some argument about how how you know getting these documents back into the archives. Far from it, they're they're alleging actions on the part of this ex-president and and things that he has done that that can only be coming from informants. Yeah, so
0: so that is something to watch. Folks again, it's Monday. We're gonna have our segment, Justin Katz, managing editor rising.com Politics this week. It's all ahead right here on the John dipietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families specializing in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service at med urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma work-related injuries physical exams drug testing full laboratory services and with at med urgent care they offer mononuclear antibody infusions you someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to atmed urgent care two locations johnston 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 or east greenwich 5750 post road online at atmedurgentcare.net folks you are listening to the john DePetro show weekdays we start at eleven. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, Petro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he's the managing editor for <clears throat> AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to start off. I thought it was um, really uh, amazing and not in a good way that Governor McKee, to me, it also seemed hastily that they got everyone together and uh, groundbreaking. Uh for the soccer stadium, even though Channel 12, you know, there's a lot of pushback already on that. Channel 12's done some very good reporting. Apparently Pawtucket doesn't even really have the, the money. They had scarves made up. And then, of course, they packed the place with laborers. So if anyone want to ask anything, it's almost like a level of intimidation. But I'd like to give you your thoughts on that. I, I thought it was uh, that Tidewater landing is it's atrocious. It doesn't make sense. And yet Governor Key didn't want to miss out on a photo op.
3: Oh, well certainly and it's I mean the strategy he's got for the election is becoming painfully clear if you if you search the news for uh, say Rhode Island governor uh, the top of the top of the search is all how much money he's giving away to nonprofits or housing or this or that and tidewater's right in that uh, that area I mean I noticed he was endorsed by the transit union when there's there are plans for a train up to Boston from there, so the the whole thing is just a union buyoff. So that's that's his audience, and that's who he wants to to get there. And it's it was interesting to I me. Mean, not only was it not only were there uh, labor people there, but peculiarly, and here's kind of the back the meta story of how the news is made. I'd love to I'd love to know more about that. I think it was a Providence Journal interviewed several schools. I think from Johnson and Wales, who all thought it'd be great to be pro soccer players if if there were more opportunities for that. It's like somebody even went out and recruited kids to come and talk about their dreams of being pro soccer players as if as if this you know corrupt deal is really gonna help. Uh, so that's that's what they're that's the game. They're they're buying off constituencies, that's their audience, and that's who they've got to play for. And as as you mentioned, it's gonna be, I think, a disaster. WPRI did report the the tax increment finance bonds they're not that's so this is where for for the government to be be able to say something's not going to cost anything they created this this tool where we're only going to take the extra taxes that it's going to generate and that's all that's going to go toward it which is baloney because when it comes in short everybody else has to pay for it and as WPRI has reported they already don't think they're going to get enough extra revenue to cover it so uh, the next thing will be whether they're actually going to get their average 7,600 visitors per game and when that doesn't come in, we'll get all kinds of excuses and and uh, goalpost moving uh, on that as well. So that's another number to watch. But it's just, as you said, it's a, it's atrocious. It's it's kind of gross uh, to watch it in action. But, you know, it, it's a, a winning formula in some regards. Whether it wins for McKee, I guess we'll see.
0: The um, His attitude afterwards when they were questioning him and some reporters did try to say, you know, what do you say to those? The numbers really just don't add up. Um, he's done trying to almost, to me, it's almost like he's not even attempting a logical conversation anymore. Now it's become, well, I would tell them to wake up uh, and then just goes through his laundry list as the Lieutenant Governor Matos looks on. It's, um. I, I think Justin Katz, he's just fallen into like, that's my story and we're sticking to it. It doesn't matter whether it makes sense. If there are you know, legitimate objections that people may have. He's just decided, made promises. Everyone's along for the ride, Um, you know. And it, it's also interesting to me. You know, the, the mayor of Pawtucket, for some reason, they they keep this whole thing of like it's the least we could do because they lost the Paw Sox. That Worcester is that thing is you know that's going to end up being it was a good thing that we we lost the Paw <laughs> because because of just how much that's, you know, costing. But Justin Katz, on top of that, you know, just how much the stadium keeps rising. The fact that he was so anxious to do the, let's do the shovel, because let's let's face it, there was still no reason to do it right away. It it doesn't mean that they're going to start building right away. Um, He's just going down a different path. It's all about, and kind of what you said, but I, I just don't remember the last time we had someone who is basically, he is willing to, it, it's like an auction. I mean, no matter what someone says, he'll stick up his hand. He's like trying to buy it. He will, it's a wish list. Whoever has, if someone can deliver both to him and it's union oriented, it sounds like, you know, should he win the primary, that uh, there's going to be some pretty expensive IOUs waiting in the backdrop.
3: Oh yeah, certainly. We should definitely. Worry that this is a a down payment on on his future gifts to these people. I mean, I, yes. as we've discussed a whole lot, he's he's not subtle. So I think what we're seeing is you see right through kind of a more standard politics where his audience is this group of people who don't who, who can get deliver votes for him in the primary, the, the union members and so on. And so it doesn't matter. So what do you say to people who disagree? You know, basically, he's saying, I would tell them that I don't represent them, and I'm going to say exactly what the special interests who are going to put me in office want to hear. And that, that's basically what's happening. And, and what we really should remember, he, he had one line about something, Pawtucket's the city that, uh, what was it? The city that was left behind is how he put it. And it, no, Pawtucket fell behind. Rhode Island is falling behind it's not something that somebody else is doing to us it's something that we're doing to ourselves and it's exactly these sorts of projects the special interest giveaways this sort of approach to doing things irrationally and not taking other sides into account that that is what's destroying Rhode Island you know I I follow a a writer James Lilacs out in Minneapolis uh, and he relatively conservative uh, op-ed writer and he he blogs about Minneapolis all the time. And he's, he was recently posting pictures of all these brand new beautiful buildings that are completely empty. And if they're not empty, they're still not generating a lot of action in their in a local community. And, and in, so they've displaced kind of a local community feel with these giant buildings that nobody lives in. Or if they live in them, they don't go right into the neighborhood. They just go to work and go home. And that's, that's a very real possibility. And I think that's what we'll see in Pawtucket. Is we're gonna build these things. It's going to be a lot more expensive than we think it's going to be now or than they're telling us it's going to be. And then it's not going to do what they're telling us. Everybody likes the idea of we make an investment now and in 20 years, 10, 20 years, we're going to look at this great neighborhood that's thriving and, and backbone of the region. No, that that doesn't have to happen. And it, I don't think it's gonna happen in this case. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. As I said, it's it's not somebody else doing this to Pawtucket. It's Pawtucket and Rhode Island making bad decisions. But they want to distract from that. That's kind of the job of Rhode Island politicians.
0: I also want to just just so people fully understand it again, folks, we're sweet with Justin Katz our segment is politics this week. Justin, this one is a little bit different though if you step back. As far as, you know, no one to blame but ourselves, simply because number one, he wasn't elected. He was appointed. You know, he's fulfilling Gina Raimondo's term. Number two, the Commerce Board, he, you know, picked that Michael Solomon, got him on. He put some people, he had some options and opportunity. He put some people on the boat on the board that would vote the way he wanted to. And and then even then they somehow convinced two people not to vote so that he could have the tiebreaker in this situation, my my blame goes that this is Governor McKee taking advantage of the position. I, um, I I think if this went on the ballot, the voters would not go along with it. It's not like we elected him to that position. And who gets a slot on the Commerce Board is not a guy that said about, if I'm elected, I'm going to do this or that. He To me, he, this is just complete abuse of power from someone who... If Gino Raimondo had not gotten that position with, with President Biden, she he wouldn't be in that position anyway. Oh
3: sure. Those are those are great points. And and we, we can't take the blame off of him. But uh no. but in generally I, I you know remember he was the better bet for Lieutenant Governor versus Aaron right. Redenberg. Yep. And that that situation where the Rhode Island could generate nobody more impressive or competent than those two, you know, you had, you had the incompetent versus the scary ideologue. I mean, that was basically That's the choice. Point. That is our, that is our doing in Rhode Island. We, and I, and I mean, to Some extent, I mean, the, the special interests in the, the unions and so on, and the left and the democrats have structured things so that to make it like that, but they are us in some regards, they're Rhode Islanders, and so we've done it to ourselves. He's, he's taking advantage of it in a, in a really kind of pathetic and, and ter- terrible way, uh, but 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 it was there to be taken advantage of. And I think we we need to you know take a long, hard look at how we get ourselves in these situations. And af- after he's gone, probably after this election, uh, then. We, we really need
0: to re- restructure things yeah. at a real basic level in Rhode Island politics. Folks, uh, quick break, much more ahead politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor for dot com, right here on the John DiPietro show. Propane plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508 508- propane heating and cooling its propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable Equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508 252 3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885 4209. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor at Justin, I want to just touch on the Black Island Ferry, what happened, the reaction, or, or as I would say, the non-reaction from people afterwards. So you had some problems over on the island. Uh, it then continued. You know, video was posted. I posted a video that showed a group of individuals, and several of them were then arrested on the boat that were fighting at, at balance. It was on uh, VJ Day over on, on the island. And then, you know, you, they, the, the the police, uh, you know, this talk that there was a gun uh, fired off on the ferry that they had to, it was very dramatic when they had to have the state police and the, the, the Coast Guard brought them onto the boat while it was moving. And, you know, you see the picture and it is what it is. It was uh, seven people of color and that's who was also, you know, fighting. And then there was some woman who i actually interviewed who's being charged that she threw a knife overboard but it was a real danger for people that were trapped on the ferry and obviously generated a lot of news and i noticed there was no reaction from governor mckee lieutenant governor matos all the people arrested providence for and i just compared that to what happened you and i go back to the political theater of the red reading room with the communists and then the you know the whatever the neo-nazis are outside there was no one harmed Outside of that, the political reaction, the people reacting to it left and right, this was real danger. People were trapped on the ferry. It could have got a lot worse. The police response was off the charts. And um, but look at how and even the way the media treated it, that they were very cautious to point out that, you know, you look at the individuals. It was all people of color basically arrested. They were all from Providence, Pawtucket. Uh, It caused a lot of havoc on the ferry and on the island. And uh, it's complete silence on the reaction on it.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you, you you give it exactly the right framing in in a, in terms of the people in office don't want to solve real problems; they want to solve oh. false problems like like neo Nazis disrupting a. A half a dozen people reading the Communist Manif- Manifesto. I mean, that that's the real problem in their view, not not people actually in danger. You know, I, what it makes me think of is when I when I grew up in New Jersey, my friends and I would would go up and down uh, the coast to different t- towns, seaside, Sleaside, Wildwood, and we you could see the crowd moving as as we were kind of the leading edge of the the bad crowd, I guess. And so we would get there; it'd be kind of all families. And then the last year we'd be there; it would be like like this, like New York city moving in for the summer. And you saw exactly these kind of problems, brawls, it was, it, was a, it started to feel very urban. And I think that, that to me is probably what's happening here. It's just, Block Island's in fashion in that crowd now. What I thought was interesting, though, is the blame they're putting on Ballard, who happens to be uh, Blake Filippi's brother, Steve. Yep. Although I don't think Blake's very much involved. I think there's a family feud going on there, yep. but he's running for the town council. And so that makes me start to wonder if if there's some local politics going on there where they're trying to scapegoat. Uh, this particular guy in this particular company for for something that's really just the the fashionable place for people from the urban area who are gonna fight and do whatever are is to go to Ballard or to go to Block Island and that's what's happening. I mean, I noticed in July the local police did a spot check of every of to see who which bars would serve underage people and six bars did. It wasn't just Ballard. So that I think that's really what it is and. It, To go back to your framing, it's they're not the people in charge are not interested in solving real problems because if you solve real problems, you're not focusing on the businesses that are drawing because I don't they haven't changed the way they're doing business as far as I know. There's just a new crowd is coming that they're not really able to handle so well. So you control that crowd, and I and that's what they don't want to do. You know, you increase your police force, have more police presence on the ferries themselves. That's the kind of thing a government does when it when it's trying to let people be free while securing uh, the safety of innocent bystanders that's that's what you do and you know you do a few spot checks in the line at night and i I guarantee you if every if if for a few weeks a dozen or so young adults don't get to go home because they were detained because they were drunk you'll you'll quickly they'll find a new spot the the crowd will move on to a different to charleston or something um that that's what'll happen but that takes kind of a practical approach instead of getting all caught up in, in you know, bl- blaming a bar or or trying to fu- squeeze it into you know the a helpful ideology that the that the government folks think will get them reelected with their constituencies.
0: What do you think would have been the reaction if the people arrested happened to be members of that group, Patriot Front, who were watching <laughs> in Boston? do you think it would have been a, a different reaction than the non-reaction we saw on this?
3: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, not long ago, there was, we, I think we talked about news, there was a, a parade of about 50 of the, those types of people, the, the young neo-fascist guys walking down the street in Boston, right? They wouldn't have had to fight. All they would have had to do is take out some flags on the upper deck of the ferry. That's and right. that would have been an international sensation. I mean, so that's there's, that's what I mean. We're, we're there, they're in this our media and our politicians are in this kind of fantasy world uh, where they, and they don't, they don't want to solve real problems. It's the same thing as they're now, you know, they don't want to talk about gang violence. It's all, it's all got to be gun control. You know, it's not, it's not the fact that we've got gangs. It's not the fact that the city of Providence has, has made it harder for police to to fight gangs in recent years. No, 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 that's not it. It's really about systemic racism and it's about this and the other thing and guns. Uh, that's, that's the thing. If, if, yeah, as I said, if if a, a group of those, you know, those co-splaying neo-fascists, just all they had to would have had to do is pull their white their white scarves over their face and march around the upper deck for five minutes. And that would have been there would have been a video all over Twitter and Facebook. And and it would have been MSNBC, CNN, maybe The New York Times talking about how even on the Block Island Ferry, the fascists are taking over. That, that would have been the story. And I think it would have been much bigger news. And you would have gotten McKee and all of them
0: we must stop hatred in our
3: community and so on and so forth
0: well i think of uh you know channel 12 had on that harrison tuttle of the uh, black lives matter pack and unchallenged on both chin i think it was both 10 and 12 but they allowed him to go on the news and say the biggest threat in rhode island right now is white supremacy it's the largest threat in rhode island it's one thing if he wants to think that it's another thing he wants to say it but to go unchallenged in the, in the media doing an interview where there's there's zero evidence of that. And you just look at you would say, OK, all the problems and shootings that you have in Providence and Pawtucket. Look at what happens when some of those individuals go just for the day and they go to a place like Block Island. They they bring their problems with them. Now they're bringing the violence that we see in Providence, Pawtucket, where, you know, there's a knife. People were stabbed somebody shot off a gun well now they're bringing them you know there is it possible as much as mayor lords always says this is always about the guns i think Justin, this showed no this is the individuals that possess those weapons that that is the real problem here but it is comical and you're exactly right about patriot uh, patriot front but i i just it was comical if that had been seven people arrested it, and they were all members of that group or as you say they just unfurled the banner my god they would all the politicians they would have been falling over themselves and the way the, as soon as the the local media realized as soon as the state police released the mug and the names of who it was, that was arrested i also for those that saw the coverage i was the only one that showed who it was that was being handcuffed and led into the police cars. It's actually, as I think of it, Justin, it's kind of comical because it was last Monday night. I'm next at 10, 12, and 6. They all got there by that point. One of the individuals was filmed, and then he walked right past past us like a perp walk, and I didn't realize it till the next day. I'm the only one that filmed that and showed that the rest of them refused to show it because it was this large man of color who actually even flipped me off as he was putting on a shirt because I wasn't going to be persuaded from that. I also want to um, just get your thought on last week uh, it was revealed that sw- totally switching topics, but that um, the, the race for general treasurer, James Deosa, The mayor of central falls who's heralded he was almost going to be the next lieutenant governor if mckee had stuck with the original plan but instead he threw her overboard for sabina matos but he took i don't know countless free trips free trips this guy went on a world tour free mayor of central falls free trips almost as if he was traveling every single weekend uh complete boondoggles now granted taxpayers not paying for it but still Another example of a politician taking these free trips. And you really didn't I I didn't see or hear a lot of criticism about it. And the only thing I can think of is because he's a Latino who's who's running for general treasurer was the mayor of Central Falls.
3: Well, maybe. I, I you know, I think it reminded me of when McKee flying off to China, yes. you know, just to, I, I think I'm not sure it's it's very far afield from the topics we've already been discussing this morning. I mean Arthur today. He he we've really lost sight of what mayors are intended to do. They're to, they're they're there to run your city. That's that's their job. But once you start talking like the mayor and the government is supposed to run everything and plan our future and then you start giving them license to travel the world and it, they'll find all kinds of pretenses to, to do their you know 26 trips around the world that's the, oh this is for economic development this is for that or the other thing but when you what the problem is we've got we, we let them go off their off their role which is Making sure that the neighbors aren't fighting, that the fire department's doing what it's supposed to do, the police are in line, uh, the town's running smoothly, the roads are paved. We we fail in all these respects in Rhode Island, and that's it's because we've gotten we've forgotten what our government's supposed to do. And I think Diosa's here is is really a a big example of that, where it's just you know you're you're not supposed to be as a mayor flying around the world, you're not doing international relations. That's not what we've assigned mayors to do in our, right. our civic society, but that's what they think they get to do as politicians. They're so the big men and their, men and women in their community, and they get to, they get to do these things because, Oh, I don't know. I'm planning, I'm representing our city in in East Timor or whatever it was, you know, that's, that's really, uh, you know, it's, it's a big problem. I think, although it will get covered up, not, not only for race reasons or for identity politics, but because it's just part of the game. And the only complaint the news media can find is you didn't report this properly on your on your ethics filings, which makes everybody else kind of eye, eyes glaze over because they're not really telling the story that that needs to be told. And that's how we allow these mayors to think they're world travelers.
0: Yeah, just because you're offered a, a, a free trip doesn't mean you have to take every single free trip that is offered. Uh, you know, Alorza also went into this. This is one of the problems. Uh, you get these people, no background. And, you know, all we're told is what a success story they are and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, they, they, I'm sure they can't believe, look at that, I'm getting a free trip. And even those around them think like, wow, he won the lottery. Uh, I think one of the best examples, Justin Katz, was when that John Hopkins scathing report came out. Alorza was heading off on a free trip to Hawaii. Why? Because it was free. Uh, They think it's like one of the perks of the office. Nothing is learned. Nothing is gained other than just a free trip. And I think it, you know, as much as they talk sometimes about public service and the low pay, uh, all these free trips all over the world, that Diosa stuff, that is ludicrous that the mayor of one square mile, he should be in his own city truly trying to work on the education, trying to improve things and certainly make things safer for people. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor at com, right here on The John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote 401 732. 1730 j perry paving they are tremendous they also how about this once a month they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran and remember whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed call j perry paving for a free quote it makes a huge difference in your property in your home in your driveway or patio 401 732 1730 j perry paving 401-732-1730 you can also find them on facebook they're terrific hey get that driveway paved call and book an appointment now 401-732-1730 for j perry paving the centredale revival stop it and see them comfort food and cocktails you're gonna love the senadale revival located 2025 smith street north providence right in centredale right across from north providence town hall delicious food delicious drinks live entertainment on the weekends shane and his crew they're waiting for you a great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale revival 2025 smith street in north providence our segment is politics this week with me is justin katz manager you get our rising.com well justin last week uh the story and it seems it's going to filter into this week but the uh the big raid at uh mar-a-lago um I'm just wondering your thoughts on, I don't know yet, and I'm not sure we do know yet, but I'm just looking at that CD2 race, and they've already made such a big deal that former Chancellor Mayor Alan Fung attended the inauguration of President Trump, and someone gave him, it was cold, it was in January, someone gave him a winter hat that had Trump on it, and they've made such a big deal about it. Um, I'm just wondering your thoughts on how the raid could come into play with uh, perhaps the race for governor and also the CD two race.
3: Well, I you know I, it, it's an interesting angle because I've a lot of the reaction I've seen. Uh, on both sides of the aisle, is that, that this was kind of a politically speaking a, a blunder on a Democrat's part. That it, it did not play well with people, uh, and it looked kind of you know fascist, which which it was. Um, raiding the president's house rather than if he's got documents rather than just sending a few police to knock on a door and you know a few FBI agents and say, hey, could we have these documents back? You know that there are a lot of ways to go. They love the raids. They love and you, you, with all we've seen in the past four, five years, you, you really do kind of reasonably have to wonder what were the FBI, you know, they come in, they clear out that building, they search, are they taking only what's in the warrant? Who knows? What else are they seeing and taking pictures of? What are the, what's the real purpose here? And it, that kind of stuff does not play well with Americans. And I've seen a, a number of moderate Republican types who are starting to say, yeah, you know what, we were on board with the Democrats when we were talking about how he violated norms, but this is kind of norm violating, you know, this is kind of not what we were signed on for. And so I think it helps moderate Republicans, uh, in the sense that people are starting to question whether was Trump really that much different, or did he just fight back? And so he's kind of exposing how corrupt our system is, which a lot of people who came around to Trump, like me, really started to to notice. And I think that that works well for Alan Funk, because the, to the extent Trump does not is is shown to be not this unusual, norm breaking, unprecedented character in American politics, it takes a basically the only argument. The Democrats have against Fung away. I still, but that said, I I don't think, I I think his, his main focus should be, you know, I'll be a voice in the leading party in Washington, if you elect me, well, you know, as the one Republican on our congressional delegation. And I, as we discussed last week, you know, that includes kind of normalizing being Republican and saying, look, yeah, there are reasons to be republican there's we have some good ideas and i think part of it is we won't we don't raid people's houses like we, president's houses like this and we won't we don't play the fascist game and i think that's that's a very there's a very compelling story there to tell and it, it can get pretty it can get that's the theme it can get pretty broad i wrote on anchor rising this week it seemed very similar to me in a strange way the the biden administration is cracking down on on religious schools and or like like catholic schools and they're they're threatening to take away poor kids subsidized lunches if the schools don't bow to, to sexual identity politics that is very much the same kind of Fascists. We're just going to tell you how you have to live, and we're going to use the government in any way possible to enforce our point of view. And I think that whole range of ideas it takes a little bit of time to master, but I think that's a very strong argument moderates could make. And the Mar-a-Lago raid is a very, very much a, a bright light in that in
0: that field. I think they were going <clears> to. <throat> it's going to play. Uh, they're going to try to find a way to work it into the general election uh between mayor fung and and it would certainly esteem let's go through some of the races starting with the race for governor right now uh how you view we are by the way a week from wednesday starts the early voting and to me that's going to answer a lot of questions why you know there are still some people oblivious doesn't seem like traditional campaigns you don't see it's the way they've constructed it with all this early voting and ballots i i think that's the reason but just um how you see, I want to mention a candidate, you tell me where you think they stand right now. Why don't we start at the top with Governor McKay?
3: Well, I, I think he's flailing um, from any standard politics. But, you know, it's interesting, The I, maybe I missed it in the past, but more than I can remember, a lot of the reporting on local politics is just a listing of endorsements. This yes. group endorsed him. This group endorsed them, And I, I, McKee's doing pretty well in that race because as we discussed already, he's just giving away millions of dollars. And so you know it's it's easy to to get endorsements when you're promising people a million bucks i mean it's just kind of you know the $3000 we've been talking about for state workers as a just a give me bonus give right. bonus that's that's nothing compared to millions and millions to small organizations that happen to have large audiences like unions or nonprofits uh, so he's doing pretty well in the, the endorsement game and i you know I, I can't help but wonder part of it's just cuz they're not campaigning in a, the standard way because they don't have to. They're just going to, they get the constituents, they break it up, they get the, they get people to ballot harvest for them using these constituency lists. And, and there you go. That's the way the game is played. And I think that's, that's really the only way McKee gets over to finish line is if he's able to buy enough votes rather than, cause he, if it were a standard campaign, he, he'd lose just like he's lost in the past and almost lost to Aaron Regenberg for Lieutenant the governor, problem. which would have been would not, not only would have been bad for the state, but would have been incredibly
0: embarrassing for, for McKee. Nothing on policy or plans. It's all just announcing endorsements. And you're exactly yeah. right, Justin. There's there's big price tags attached to these endorsements. How do you think the Gorbea campaign is doing?
3: Well, I think they're doing, I mean, as well as they can. She, I, you know, I, I haven't found her. I haven't found her to be to tell be telling a very compelling story of why she should run be governor. Why she? I mean, her latest ad, I'm sure it shores up some of kind of the way certain constituencies among the Democrats vote. It's just like Nellie from around the block. You know, it's okay. Well, can you run things? And that's so. That's not a strong she can't, it doesn't have a strong case there. So I don't, no. and she hasn't been making it anyway. I mean, it's, and it goes back to, as you were mentioning before with that just people who, who, okay, what's your, what's your background? How are you, how are you qualified to run a state of a million people? I mean, I just, it, so she doesn't have a compelling story, but I think with folks stealing away and splitting McKee's vote, uh, Nellie's got a, a reasonable path to, to winning, which is, which is interesting. And I think telling and, and, of the ways Rhode Island is chipping over itself.
0: Yeah, I think it's incredible that if, let's face it, if you weren't really paying attention, there'd be very good reasons you wouldn't know that she's even running. She hasn't accomplished anything. The ads are not, she doesn't have any bold vision. Uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction that this all just goes back to the fact about ballots. And I, I don't know what type of campaign Matt Brown is running. It certainly isn't a very visible one. But the the last one that still seems to be trying at least is just your thought on on Helena folks It's um, I mean think of that early voting starts a, a week from Wednesday, Justin Katz, and there's been still there's no major debate. There's at least one coming, maybe two, but I I don't I I'm gonna say she just has not done enough to break through. <laughs>
3: Well, just going back to Nellie for a second, I mean, it'll be very interesting to watch the breakdown of of how people vote. I mean, if if, if Gorbea wins in a big way with mail ballots, uh, it'll kind of forecast everything you've been saying for years now. It's just, yeah. She she was secret- the Secretary of State, one with yeah. mail ballots, huh? Isn't that interesting? I, but so you've got her potentially with that advantage. You've got McKee buying things. And as you say, folks is the only one who seems to be trying. I mean, she, she I just saw recently she put out a, Couple very kind of small and not very detailed plans about a particular medical policies she'd like to work on uh, I think for diabetes and something else but she's at least she put out an education plan so among the Democrats she's she's the one who's kind of doing the standard putting out policy suggestions here's what I'll do and it's you know it's not surprisingly she's also uh, a business person so she she's got that this is what you do you you create plans and you tell people and you you pitch them and you sell them on them and get their votes or their money if you're in a business so she is running that standard campaign to, the question is, can she get those folks who would just vote for you know, kind of the moderate in a race and they've got a, a, some economic sense, some business sense around them, can she get them to know who she is in time? And that's the question. I'm not, I'm not so sure. And it's going to take a lot to, to kind of overcome. And I think actually it may be that uh, some of the other races – well, I'm trying to think. There aren't a, There isn't a lot of motivation for Republicans to vote no. in the Republican primary. So no. fo- folks, I wonder, it may, may be missing an opportunity by not trying to somehow woo uh, Republicans or uh, un- undesignated Republicans uh, to, to cross over into her, into her primary That's and vote good. for her. Because she, although then, you know, as we've discussed as well, Callas would want to just discourage that because she doesn't want to run against folks. She wants to run run against McKee.
0: Right. You know, that's a very good point, but that was also, I think, one of the unforced errors she made when she came out of the box and was immediately, you know, my name is Helena Folks and I hate Trump and I shouldn't have given to McConnell and blah, blah, blah. I just want to start to go down on the laundry (laughs) list. Justin Katz. Now, I I think um, in in CD 2, Dan McGowan claims that David Siegel basically is completely just focused on winning Providence, which could be interesting if he's plan is that he could get a big because part of cd2 is providence not a huge part but but it's like he, dan mcgowan described it, it's like he's running a state senate race Everything is just focused in providence but other than that and again i think they are handicapped these debates if anything are so late because i don't think you know we haven't seen anybody like take fire the way sometimes the campaign you can just see the momentum shift and start to take off but um I just, I don't, I don't see, I want your thought, but I don't see any change in that CB2 race. Sarah Borgenthal, it begins and ends with uh, the fact that she failed to get Joy Fox out of the race. It makes two women magazine or benefits from the large field. Do you see any different outcome than, than magazine? I don't, I don't see them even putting a chink in his armor.
3: No, it, it all feels kind of pro forma, doesn't it? Like they're just all kind of going through the through the motions. Why is, yeah. why is Joy Fox even in it still? You know, right. it's just it's not clear, and it's because they're all they're all just going through the motions. They're not talking about policy, and I think the debates go back to that because po- debates are all about policy. It's, I mean, you're not going to sit there and debate how many people you're going to, how many ballots you're going to harvest, or how much money you're giving. Right. away. So I think that the debate, lack of debates, is both a contributor and and symptom of the that loss of. Kind of, what's this campaign really about? Uh, and it, so it is surprising, but no, I, I don't see much much motion there. I think, uh, especially once you got like Langevin, Langevin endorsing Magaziner was kind of the the signal. I think, okay, this is this is where we're going, uh, and it's it's not easy to break through when when it's no longer about policy and the media doesn't seem to care about that.
0: Um, and just some of the other races, you know, in the mayor of Providence, you have the three that uh, Nerva LaFortune, a uh, woman of color, who I don't think she's running a very good campaign. You have Brett Smiley, who ran you know, back in 14 and then worked for Mayor Lourdes and then worked for Governor Mundo, and then this Gonzalo Cuervo. You know, as someone pointed out to me, um, sometimes you know, it's a real reflection of where Providence is, of, of who's this person, of who's not running. Like, you don't notice, you don't have a successful business person. You don't have someone that... Came up and you know lived in Providence and maybe did some kind of a startup and uh, you know the way you do like in some of the other cities like an Andrew Yang or or Michelle Wu. I, I think it's 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 reflective of Providence of the type of candidates you have for mayor of Providence. That let's let's face it, you look at the crop, one of the three is going to win, and I don't I did not see any any major change or development coming with with from the camps of any of those three
3: no not at all and, and you you put your finger on a very good point and I, I worry well not worry i'm pretty confident providence is a is kind of just the leading edge for rhode island here where you know people who've run businesses and done things why would they go into government service exactly. in rhode island why yeah. would they i mean they can see it's nobody cares about policy and they can see they'll never be able to get anything actually done because the moment they start to to put anything forward uh especially at the, the municipal level, you know a mayor of province can start to get make some progress and what'll happen, all the special interests uh, and ideologues right. will go to the general assembly and, and they'll step in and, and take over. You just you can't do any good and at the same time you're you're sure to be vilified and and made to be seem like a villain for everybody in Rhode Island and who wants that you know late in your career after you've done some successful stuff so i best part of our problem we just can't draw those people and i think providence is a good good indicator of that you've got you know the the local Folks who, who are rep- kind of ethnically representative, perhaps of the, the area. Then you've got Smiley who tries to get in under the under the minority guise of being gay. Uh, so that that's that's really what you, what you're left with. And th- there ought to be more think pieces and op eds and and uh, columns by our local intelligentsia to say where where is the Joe Paolino? Why is there not somebody running for mayor who who's actually done something and can run businesses? What are we doing? Why do we have this group of losers? But of course they can't call them losers because then they'll get they'll get themselves in trouble. But I think that's that's Providence is very telling in that regard. It's just there's nobody who who seems really qualified who wants to run. And that that's really I don't know starts to raise questions about whether we can do democracy in Rhode Island.
0: You know, it's also funny, Justin. Now you see, and I really now understand more how the people that were backing Cianci at the very their mind basically was: listen, no one's going to clean it up, but at least he's entertaining, and at least <laughs> he puts you out there, and and at least he represented Providence well. If you put him on a stage with other politicians, he certainly would dominate the stage. So, if you look at that, no one's really going to clean it up, which they haven't. I would argue things have gotten worse under a Moorsom, much worse. Um, then you might at least well have someone who's entertaining and uh, could, you know, represent the, the city well. Folks, again, um, early voting starts a week from Wednesday. Our segment is politics this week. He is the managing editor, com. It's just a guest. Just an excellent job as always. And we will talk to you again. Thank you, John. The